this uh, epistle that we're going to study is about our Christian fellowship together. Um, so if we start with a word of prayer, we'll be joining in fellowship and in worship of God together. Uh, so let's, uh, let's pray first, and then we can introduce each other. Lord, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can come together despite the miles between us uh, to study your word. We pray that you open our hearts and open our minds to understand. Uh, and we pray that we can have that eternal life and fellowship through you. And uh, that in having that knowledge and that common understanding of our position in you, uh, that we can join in deeper fellowship, both with you and with each other. We pray these things, Lord, in your glorious name. Amen. 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 Uh, so let's see, I'll start, and then um, I'll have you guys introduce yourselves. So my name is Dane. Uh, I live near Seattle, Washington, in the United States, and uh, I'm currently studying at the same seminary as Janet's husband um, at Chafer Seminary. So um, these days we're we're all kind of busy writing papers, but. Uh, we all love the Word of God, and we, we want to study it and share what we know. And uh, that's, that's why I chose 1 John, uh, because it's about um, knowing the truths of who Christ is and what he has done for us and sharing that with each other um, so that we can grow in deeper fellowship. Um, so that's a little bit about me. I'm 25 years old, and... Uh, and uh, studying God's word, and I hope to do that the rest of my life. Um, so I, I'd love to hear a bit about you. Um, see, Lisa, would, would you mind telling us a bit about yourself? Yeah, it's me, Lisa, and I'm 42 years old. Uh, I became a Christian three years ago, uh, back away from Hong Kong. Now I'm living in Singapore. I'm working here in Singapore. And I have two, two children, and yeah, they're in the Philippines. I have 19 years old daughter, and I have 13 years old son. And today wow. is his birthday. So yeah, I, I love, you know, I, I'm always excited to have like this kind of fellowship, this, uh, this kind of Bible study, because it helps me to grow my faith and to mature my faith also so this is not only one fellowship that i attended in online it's i i had three bible studies online also from from international also and we we're studying also genesis so this is for our yeah one year already in studying genesis also so yeah i love sure, i love really. it's a great study Wonderful. Thank you so much, Lisa. We're, we're excited you're here. Uh, we're happy to get to know you and uh, looking forward to fellowship with you. Yes, amen. All right. Uh, let's see, Jonah, can you introduce yourself? I think you know me already. Everybody knows me here already. I'm Jonah. They want to know you, Joe. Jo. He knows me already because oh. I, 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 I we do Bible study together, and yeah, um, yeah. Lisa also is with me in Bible study Filipino ministry, so we know, yeah. we know each other. <laughs> Very good. Well, I'm glad to see you here, Jonah. Thank you, thank yeah. you, Dane, for this Bible Looking study. Forward. Looking forward yeah. to it. All right, um, Janet is Nita not able to talk right now. Uh, me for this time I can. My employer is not around. Uh, they were going back tomorrow, so yay! <laughs> so, okay. Uh, can you introduce yourself and also Nita just a bit? Okay. So uh, I'm Janet, and uh, uh, two years married, and then uh, I love Bible study. And I've done uh, structural Bible study uh, six years ago. And then um, I was, I and Jonah uh, went to Dallas 
theological online courses. So we both have a certificate online, you know, <laughs> as what you saw uh, in, in on Facebook, if you notice that. And also Jonah have, uh, have also that certificate, but uh, yeah. And, um, and I was even evangelical church, uh, church before. And mm -hmm. after, even after evangelical church, I came out into a charismatic church. <laughs> and then after charismatic church, I went this uh, watermark, which is the based on Bible, uh, you know, uh, teaching or it's not charismatic, I should say. So, and yeah, until now, I'm, I love, I love doing things that, uh, you know, uh, God's uh, to give glory to God, you know, any service in the church, or uh, they want to use me for for the church or to give glory to God. It's, uh, I really love to do that. So yeah, and uh, we'll, we are. We'll pray for that as well. And also, uh, we keep on uh, outreaching so that. Um, uh, you know, many will come to know who Jesus really is. So, which is our church, the watermark is trying to emphasize why Jesus. We need to we need to know Jesus. So, yeah, that's it. That, that's the topic of John. That's that's what John says he is writing for, so that we can know Jesus more, so that we can know Jesus in a deeper, more intimate way. So, uh, I think. We are all of the same mind together and with, with John as well. Um, so I think that's that's an exciting place for us to start. Um, all right, so we're going to study 1 John today. We're going to start with just the first four verses. Uh, that's the introduction that John gives us to his book. Uh, we're going to use a literal hermeneutic. Uh, that means we're going to study uh, this book of Bible as if it was intended to be understood naturally. Um, so we're not gonna look for um, strange interpretations. We're gonna read the text just as if God is speaking to us. Uh, and we're going to study it just like we're talking with a friend, just like we can understand friend's words, we can understand John's words. And we also understand that John's words were given to him by the Holy Spirit, uh, that he's, he wrote both with his own hand and with the mind of uh, the Holy Spirit working through him. Uh, also, we're studying this book from a free grace perspective. Uh, when you read other, uh, other writings about this book, sometimes people this book is about salvation. This book is not about salvation. It's for people who are already saved. Uh, so we're going to study that in light of that truth uh, that John is writing to believers, not sinners, not to people who don't yet believe. So he is going to be teaching us about fellowship, not how we can be saved. John wrote five different books in the Bible. He was also one of the apostles of Jesus Christ, one of his disciples, and he was the closest disciple to Jesus. Jesus had uh, three very close um, disciples, Peter, James, and John. And of those three, John was the closest with him in, in John's gospel. Uh, John speaks of himself as the apostle that Jesus loved. Uh, they had a very close and intimate relationship. Uh, so John understood firsthand close and intimate fellowship with Jesus Christ. So he's writing from a perspective that he, he knows a lot about. Um, how to remain in fellowship with Jesus. Uh, this book, which he wrote, is the second um, of John's writings. As we said, he did five in total. And he wrote them all in a pretty close period of 10 years. So the Gospel of John, he probably wrote sometime around 85 AD, um, so more than 50 years after Jesus died. So he had 50 years of teaching and preaching and fellowship in the body of Christ uh, before he wrote down these thoughts. 
So this comes after a lifetime of study and learning and pondering with the Holy Spirit uh, what is uh, salvation and what is fellowship and what will be our glorification. Um, and he writes three books that focus on that. The Gospel of John focuses on uh, our salvation. It was written so that we might believe. The letters uh, focus on our fellowship. Uh, the first letter teaches us about fellowship. And then second and third John are personal letters written to individuals about their fellowship. And then the revelation of Jesus Christ, which is the last book in the Bible, um, this is written showing us our future glorification with Christ, um, while also showing us some end time events that are prophetic. So this book was written about 90 AD. Um, it's pretty hard to date this book. Um, some people even think it was written as early as 60 AD. Um, probably it was written after uh, the Gospel of John was written. So it would probably be about 90 AD. And it was probably written from the city of Ephesus. Ephesus uh, received the letter to the Ephesians from Paul. Ephesus was also written a letter by John Revelation, the first church that he wrote to was Ephesus. Uh, Ephesus was the church where John was a pastor. Uh, we know this from extra biblical accounts, uh, people who didn't write in the Bible, uh, but who were historians around the time of John. John was the pastor at Ephesus. So, uh, uh, so I'll read can this I have here. a question? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so John is a pastor, but why isn't uh, clari uh, clarifying in, in, in the Bible says that, you know, uh, John is a pastor or just a disciples or apostle? <laughs> Uh, why the Bible well, didn't say it that? Has to do with his... mm. uh, the, the Bible doesn't uh, really seek to tell us all of the history around these events. It's focused primarily with gospel truths. And um, that's John's purpose is to teach us more about Jesus, uh, not his own, uh, his own life and what he's doing for Jesus. The book of Acts gives us lots of information about the history of these apostles, but it focuses more on the missions of Peter and Paul, uh, not on John. So it's just rather circumstantial that we don't get that information to Apostle Andrew or the, uh, the disciple Andrew. He ended up discipling in Russia. We don't learn about that from scripture. And then Timothy, who went to India, and Matthew, who went to Alexandria, Egypt. Um, so it's if it's not in the Acts of the Apostles, um, it's most likely that we have to get our history from extra biblical accounts. But we only trust that history if it matches. So here, um, this comes from Charles Ryrie's study Bible. He talks a bit about the date and the location and also this book was written to. So it says, strong tradition says that John spent his old age in Ephesus. Lack of personal reference in this letter indicates that it was written in sermonic style. Uh, that means that John's not talking about individual people here. So probably this was written uh, like a sermon or uh, multiple sermons that he had that he put down into writing form. Uh, so it's written in sermonic style to Christians all over Asia Minor. So just like the book of Ephesians or like the seven letters um, in Revelation, it's not written only for one church here, but so that all the churches might benefit from it. And it was probably written after the gospel, uh, but before the persecution of Domitian, who was the Roman emperor at the end of John's life. Uh, so this place is at a the late 80s to the early 90s. So we're just going to say about 90 AD just to keep it simple. 
before the book of Revelation was written and after the Gospel of John was written. Okay, C.I. Schofield um, had, has this to say about the book, and I think it's, it's a good place for us to start um, yeah. with understanding what this book is. So Schofield says, First John is a family letter from the father to his children. So we're the children of the father, and uh, he treats us as, as his children in this, in this gospel. So who are in the world? Uh, with the possible exception of the Song of Solomon, it is the most intimate of all the inspired writings. So this is a very intimate book uh, for us and our fellowship with each other and with God. The world is viewed as without. Uh, the sin of the believer is treated as a child's offense against his father and is dealt with as a family matter. So just like a mother distance her child or a father distance his son, uh, that's how God is going to speak to us here through this book. The moral government of the universe is not in question. That means there is no defense of the gospel itself. Uh, not trying to convince us that God is in control. See, so Joe, you're, you're scratching. Oh, thank you. Okay. I just drink water. <clears throat> That's okay. Oh, is it? Uh, the child uh, is seen as an offense against, or is the child's sin as an offense against the law has been met at the cross. So the understanding of the cross is already finished. And Jesus Christ, the righteous, is now the advocate with the Father. John's gospel leaves across the threshold of the Father's house. His first epistle makes us home there. So his gospel brings us um, to the family of God, and his first epistle uh, teaches us how to live in that family. Uh, a tender word is used for children. It's the Greek word technia, and uh, John uses this word technia many times to address the reader. Um, so we are those children, the technia, the children of God. Um, Paul is occupied with our public position as sons, but John is concerned with our nearness to the Father. So when you read the, uh, the letters of Paul, he's going to be teaching us how to live in the world. Uh, John here is teaching us how to live in the family of God. All right. John also gives us his purpose for writing this book, uh, writes in his, uh, in his gospel or in his, um, in his letter, and he actually speaks about a couple different purposes. Um, so as we encounter those purpose statements that'll say something like so that or because, we'll look at what he's doing with that. But I think this is the purpose statement for the whole book. Uh, in 1 John 5.13, he says, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. So he's reassuring, giving us confidence um, that the message that Jesus preached to us, that the apostles preached to us, is trustworthy. And because we have trust in that eternal security that Jesus gives us, we can have fellowship with each other. This is different than the purpose statement for the Gospel of John. Uh, now, there is a textual variant here, some say that this purpose statement should be so that you might keep on believing. Um, I'm not convinced of that. I, I think this, this sums it up pretty well. Um, so in the Gospel of John, his purpose statement, and he says, uh, therefore, many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these signs uh, that he has written, they've been written so that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. So the Gospel of John convinces us of the Gospel, and uh, the letters of John teach us of our fellowship after we've come to Christ through the Gospel. And what is our fellowship? Um, the letter, first letter of John 
speaks of it in two different terms. It speaks of it in light and in love. Um, these are our two principles in fellowship. We're given both a pattern in Jesus Christ of light and love and also power from Jesus Christ in light and love. Uh, the pattern that he gives us is that during his walk, during his lifetime, uh, he walked in God's holiness. Um, he, he lived a life according to the way that God intended man to live, uh, and he conformed himself to God's will, and, uh, putting his desires before God's, like Adam and Eve did, um, he was in God's will first, even subjecting himself to death. And for his love, he manifested God's love. Uh, he is the embodiment of God's love that uh, what love, what greater love is that a, uh, a friendly love. So Jesus laying down his life for us is demonstrating God's love toward us. Uh, he is also the power for life and love. Uh, or discernment uh, in the spirit of Christ. Uh, when we are in close fellowship with Christ, we're more spiritually capable of learning new truths and new things from scripture. If you are spiritually out of fellowship, you might read through scripture and it won't make any sense. Um, but when we're abiding in Christ, uh, we're taught new spiritual truths through the Holy Spirit. And then our love, we receive God's love through Jesus Christ, um, and that overflows in us, and we can have fellowship with one another. If we're trying to give love to one another, but we don't have the love of Christ in us, um, then we are not able to fill each other as well, but we can only fill each other with the love of God, not our own love. <clears throat> So this book is focused on our second tense salvation. We see salvation as having three different tenses, justification, sanctification, and glorification. Our justification is a past truth. This is something that Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross. Uh, it saved us from the penalty of sin. Uh, so looking at sin as uh, as the breaking of a law or the penalty for a crime. Uh, sin is a crime against the nature of who God is and what it is to be his creation. Uh, we were not obedient to God. In the garden uh, where Adam fell and through Adam all men have fallen, but also uh, we in our own lives commit additional sins. Uh, and Christ came to uh, pay the penalty for these sins, that we don't have to uh, die for our sins, but he has substituted himself for us um, and took on that payment. And that is in the past. It's completed and it's finished. If we have come to Christ through faith, uh, then we have been justified by him. And no one can take us out of the grip of the Father and the Son, that that account has been paid and it's totally settled. This book deals with our sanctification. That's going to be our present tense salvation, where we're saved progressively from the power of sin. So John is going to speak to believers who are at times in sin and who need to be brought back into fellowship with each other. So he's not going to be teaching them that they need to be saved as in justified again but he's going to be teaching them that they need to turn away from sin turn away from darkness and turn towards the light of christ as he taught us these have progressive results and um, not the same level of results for every christian some christian will reach a higher level of sanctification closer intimacy with christ in fact some christians will remain carnal uh, perhaps even for their entire lives, uh, never growing in Christ, but having been saved by him, because our salvation is not by ourselves, not on our own account and how well we walk the Christian life. Our justification is based on Christ's finished work on the cross. So John is calling us to 
be serious about our sanctification, to be serious about our fellowship, so that we might have life more abundantly in Christ. And of course, the truth of our future glorification is always um, kept in sight in John's gospel, because our glorification, though it is guaranteed through our justification, uh, we will be given rewards based on our works here on earth, um, not rewards of salvation, but after having attained salvation through faith, um, depending on how we uh, live our lives for God here on earth in abiding in him, uh, we have different rewards in awaiting us in heaven. Some verses which speak of all three of these tenses of salvation. One comes from Romans 5. Paul says yeah, here, um, therefore, having been justified. Uh, hi, Dane. Uh, yeah. Just want to have a question uh, on behalf of others, uh, maybe uh, about the salvation, because others uh, believe that uh, salvation is you're uh, lost. You, uh, they were lost their salvation. So will you specify, uh, uh, because we have new here, like Nida, uh, she's new and uh, her background is a Catholic. And, uh, but uh, she was, uh, you know, uh, intensively wanted to do, uh, to learn more about and I'm, I don't know, because she cannot talk this time, and I'm just, in behalf of her, yeah, in behalf of her, uh, I just want to let her know about uh, salvation, if we can lose or not lose sal our salvation, will you uh, uh, clarify that to her, to her or, yeah, or others? And what is sanctification, by the way? Uh, so that they can know what is sanctification because that's a, a theological term and they might not know what that yes. means <laughs> yeah so uh, justification thank, also thank and sanctification so they might not know the meaning of it i can do it so uh, let's start first with justification um, to justify something this is a legal term uh, and it's to recognize the Guiltlessness. Someone that's not guilty or justified before the person. And they have said uh, your your crimes, the penalty for your um, crimes are not going to uh, affect you. When you justify, you're set free from the penalty of that crime. So we're we're justified because Christ has paid the penalty for our um, fines and because Christ has paid it and he paid it completely at the cross, uh, it's impossible for us to lose our salvation once we have come to Christ in faith. Faith being a momentary, um, being a single moment, the moment we have faith, uh, from that moment forward, we're held to Christ, not our own hand. So that's turning to him uh, for, uh, for the problem of eternal life rather than looking to ourselves for eternal life. Uh, and that only has to happen once and for a moment. And that, that settles, uh, we become justified. After that, we have a responsibility to walk in fellowship. And if we fail to do so, it does not affect our justification we will still enter heaven, but not having been sanctified, not having grown in our fellowship with Christ, um, our position in heaven will not be as glorious. Uh, we won't have reward to cast before the feet of um, Jesus. Yeah, Janet? Oh, yeah, the, the, I mean, you're cutting off. Anyone heard uh, Dane's uh, explanation, Lisa? You're muted. You're muted. You're muted. Please. Yeah, I heard also, but sometimes have not clear because there's something sounds, word sounds in the background. background. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, because I really want to know about the salvation if we can lose it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the simple answer to that is uh, no, we cannot lose it because we didn't gain it. Christ gained it for us. Yeah, and then what uh, if, if we, the, the believers is keep on sinning? Mm -hmm. So in, in the gospel to the Corinthians, the uh, letter to the Corinthians, Paul speaks to, um, to some who he calls babes in Christ. He says that they are carnal in their activities. Uh, he's talking to Christians, Christians for about five years, and they've they've studied under Paul. He was their teacher. He's still speaking to them, saying, uh, "You're not walking as Christians." But he speaks to them with the understanding that they are saved in Christ, and because they are saved, they should walk in the light uh, of Christ. So Christian. In Paul's mind, is never whether or not Jesus will save them, but it's whether or not uh, they are living the life fully as Christ intended them to live, having settled uh, their their sin penalty. So uh, none of the uh, epistles, none of in the New Testament, ever teach that you can lose your salvation. Um, this is not the team, uh, the apostles. The apostles taught that salvation, once attained through faith, uh, is permanently on your account. Uh, after that, it deals only with sanctification and levels of glorification. And uh, that sanctification, it's related to the word meaning, um, to sanctify, to set apart. Uh, we're supposed to come out of the world spiritually and live in the heavenlies. That's that's the words that uh, Paul uses to the Ephesians. That our position, positionally, uh, we are Christ's body in heaven. Though in our physical bodies, we still live on earth, where sin is still around us and living in our mortals. But in our spiritual days, we have a responsibility to purge that sin um, as we abide in Christ. And that's uh, the method that we can be greater sanctified is through our fellowship. As we abide in Christ, we bear fruit uh, in him. And we don't produce that fruit, but he will bear that fruit through us, just like a root in the mind isn't doing anything actively to bear it, more resting in Christ, and that is enough, um, enough to um, help us become further sanctified. Um, essentially, it's resting in Christ, and so we can do that. We can spend time in prayer with him. We spend time in his word so that we can come to a deeper knowledge of who he is, that is going to, to further along our sanctification as we grow in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And then our glorification, this is, this is the promise that uh, Jesus has given us, that even as he is glorified, we'll be glorified with him. And this will happen at his second coming, uh, when he comes for his church, uh, and the believers will be resurrected. Uh, Paul talks about this in the first, um, the first letter to the Thessalonians. He says that um, we don't have to actually that just as our uh, fellow Christians who have died will be risen from the dead, so we will be caught up into the clouds if we have not yet died at Christ's return. And at that moment, we'll be glorified. Uh, Paul's letter to the Philippians in verse 6, chapter 1, he says that he who began a good work in us, that's Jesus, will continue. That's our salvation. A day of the Lord, the day that he returns, that will be our glorification. So we see that the good work began at the cross. And when we have faith, we become a part of that good work. 
uh, that Christ to be access to that good work. He continues that good work in us uh, through abiding in him. And then when he comes, that work will be committed and will be perfected um, at the glorification. Okay, so I think that hopefully will answer the questions and we'll look here at this verse in Rome uh, where Paul is teaching about these three tenses of salvation. And he says, they're having been justified by faith. So that's our first tense. That's what Jesus did on the cross. He finished this payment already. And we get access to justification through faith. All we need is to Jesus Christ is faith in him. We have peace with God through our Lord Christ, through whom we have gained our introduction by faith to grace. This is our present tense. We have peace with God. This is our sanctification, our growing with him, abiding in the word. Uh, we have obtained this, entered into this fellowship through our justification, uh, which he completed, um, and he completed it on a grace, means meritorious. He didn't earn it. He gave it to us through grace. So in which we stand, that stand, present tense, uh, meaning perhaps that we continually stand, um, and this isn't telling us as a command that we have to end. This is telling us our position, that through grace, we stand in Jesus Christ, that he holds us in his grace. All we have to do is abide and not leave his grace. If we leave his grace, we do not leave, lose our salvation, lose our fellowship with him. And that fellowship with him, we return to through confessing our sins directly to him. We are priests to God through Jesus Christ. We don't need another priest um, to mediate between us. We confess our sins directly and privately to God through Jesus Christ. Um, and in doing so, we can return to fellowship, just like uh, perhaps you're fighting with your father, fighting with your mother. Uh, when you apologize to them, when you seem to have a relationship with them, your relationship with your mother is stored. Uh, you're, you've got speaking basis. There is no angst between you um, of having stepped out of it. And that's, that's why in First John speaking to us little children, uh, we have entered into a father-child relationship with us. Um, so it's just like with our parents, when we're fighting them, to stop fighting with them and um, enter into fellowship with our parents again. And that's, that's what John is trying to teach us how to do, is to have a good relationship with the Father. Um, so and it says, we are in hope, glory of God. So we are worshiping as we hope for and long for that glory which was his return uh, when he comes back for his church. In 1 John, John also speaks of these three tenses of salvation, but not in the same order. He's going to talk about our justification, our true glorification. And based on those two truths, he says we ought to be living uh, in Christ because our past is promised to us and our future is promised so we need to be living our present in light of those truths. So he says, of the Father has bestowed on us that we would be called children of God, and such we are. For this reason, the world does not know us, because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. So our position is children of God on his grace and his justification of we've become positionally his children. But it says we, uh, it has not yet appeared what we will be. That's speaking of our future glorification. It's saying we and our bodies are not yet perfect, but we will be. And because of that promise, uh, we know that when he appears, we will be like him. Because we will see it, Christ's promise that when he returns for his church, 
when he has resurrected, we will be given glorified bodies, will be perfect both in body, in fellowship, and in spirit. And then he says, and everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself, just as he, Jesus Christ, is pure. So when we this hope in our mind of our future glorification, it purifies us and we abide in Christ and we sanctify ourselves. So we can look back on the cross and know that we are perfectly secured in the double grip of Jesus Christ and God through Jesus' sanctification of us or of us, but also looking forward to his return, we purify ourselves, waiting in that promise. Uh, one of the crowns that we're promised um, is the crown of, uh, I think it's called the crown of glory from the book of James of his um, as we, for his return, uh, that hope, uh, we seek to live a more sanctified life in close fellowship with him. So then he returns because he can return at any time. Uh, when he returns, we'll be found in fellowship. That's our hope and that's our desire is that uh, he can come back in a moment, any moment when he returns. We want to be in fellowship with him. Okay, so uh, we've got five minutes here, I think. Um, let's at least read through our first uh, four verses and we'll, we'll talk a bit about the first verse. Uh, actually, let's, let's jump right into just the first verse here. Um, and then we'll, we'll, we'll do the next three and maybe uh, finish the chapter in the next session. But here in 1 John 1, 1, John's giving us an introduction. It is giving us the foundation upon which speaking. So he says, what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. So we've got four different perfect tense verbs here. He says, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at, and what we have touched with our hands. So he has heard these things that he's telling us concerning the word of life. He has seen them with his eyes, and this is somewhat a passive action. You can see something without focusing on it. Oh, your voice. Looked is, this, is this okay? I'll, I'll bring us a microphone next time. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, I, I'm sorry. Uh, the, I cannot heard, uh, you know, a clear uh, the 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 words that you said. So will you repeat it? Yeah. yeah no the verses. Uh, yeah. So here, uh, it says what we have heard. Uh, this hearing uh, happens yeah. passively. John Kin uh, has heard about these truths. Says what we have seen with our eyes uh, is a passive action. It doesn't require John to be uh, actively looking. Uh, you can see something without focusing on it. But in the next clause, he says we have looked at. Uh, this is a special Greek voice called the middle voice. And it involves the activity of the subject, um, both as the uh, person acting, but also that there was some sort of action. But the idea behind this is that he's looked looking actively. He is studying, in other words. So he has heard, he's seen, and now he's focusing on, he's, he's uh, actively looking. And then he has touched with his hands. So he's going from uh, outside and moving further in on what his fellowship with Jesus. Not only did he hear Jesus' truths, but he saw this, he focused on Jesus, and he was even close enough to touch Jesus. So, uh, Does the sound okay, Jen? 
not <laughs> not really but uh, yeah but uh, we can uh, figure out what is what I, can, is uh, I can understand even even it's 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 the the sounds is but i can understand yeah and i just want to have a a, a question a question like uh, it says what was what was from the beginning so uh, what is from the beginning then what was what what was from the beginning what did Paul's in his mind uh, when he said that what was from the beginning what is that mean? Mean? Paul or John yeah oh, John John should say. That's, that's what is from the question. beginning it's a good question there's a couple different ideas um, some say that it might be thinking about Genesis 1-1 from the creation, uh, that Jesus Christ was with the creation. Uh, that is, if these capital words, that the word life is Jesus Christ. Uh, another option is coming from the Gospel of John, verse 1-1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Uh, and the other option being, uh, the gospel itself, that what was from the beginning, meaning that the first teachings of the gospel uh, by the apostles of Jesus, he's saying that he's maintaining continuity with that message, that he's not changing his message. Uh, I think personally, that second one, or that third one, uh, that he is saying what was from the beginning, meaning the gospel message that you've always received, um, he's not changing it um, because in other places in First John, he speaks of the beginning in terms of the gospel. Um, so he's speaking about the beginning of these things being preached. Uh, most common uh, thought, I think, is that he's speaking about his gospel. Just as he begins his gospel with, in the beginning, the word, so he's beginning his letter. Uh, with what was, I think this also has uh, in the word. Lisa, I cannot understand you. I, I, so this time, yeah, the, the, uh, it's like, like that. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, did you understand, Lisa? Uh, did you heard clear? The, at, at the end, it's, it's at, not really uh, words, right? It's like yeah. it's okay. So. I, I, I can understand it. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so it says he was in the beginning with God. So Jesus Christ was in the beginning, speaking of Genesis 1 1 with God. All things came into being through him. Yeah. No, <laughs> that's why uh, you you thought uh, you, you said many uh, many uh, you know options to the explanation. The, from, uh, the explanation from the beginning. But from my first uh, point of view, is referring to the mm -hmm. to John's letter, uh, the the John chapter one so because yeah. it says that in the word so since you already have that so i can i confirmed myself <laughs> that it refers to the letter mm -hmm. so i i think yeah i thank you i have i i can have uh do yeah. the video for that <laughs> in tagalog in tagalog yeah maybe it's time already exactly right yeah it's time um, so we'll continue. We'll, we'll start at verse 1-1 one, one and finish that next time, 1-1 um, one, one through 1-4. One, um, so this, this has been really good, really fun. Uh, so Janet, would you mind praying in conclusion for us? Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, prayer with the conclusion or conclusion and pray? <laughs> uh, how about conclusion and pray? Okay, so my understanding is, uh, I, I was, uh, uh, I'm sorry, I didn't heard everything clear, you know, but I thank you for sharing about what 
uh, year, you know, uh, the first, the first, uh, uh, how you say that? Uh, I, I'm disturbed, wait. <laughs> Uh, I thank you for for uh, telling us that your introduction. It helps me a lot. I will I will uh, review that. Uh, but the uh, the fellowship uh, that John's focus on fellowship and uh, like like a family a, a family kind of relationship when we heard uh, when we studied the Bible, and then um, and I. I thank you for sharing us like uh, about the background of of John's minds before before John's writing down uh, the letter, yeah. and yeah, and uh, and especially this time uh, when the first John said in the uh, what was in the beginning, and then you quoted the first John one one to five. So yeah, I I will I will work on it. And I will work on it, and then now let's yeah, let's pray. Okay, let us pray. Okay. Um, Father God, Lord, thank you so much for this time. This is our first time to meet Dane for this group. Uh, Father God, I pray for the sound uh, next time that it will be clear, and uh, so that we can uh, uh, nourish that our. Uh, to our mind, other God, while we are uh, studying, and I pray also for everyone who, who, who is in the group, Father God. I pray that they will uh, have access to, uh, to this link, other God, and I pray that they will grow uh, in the knowledge from Your Word, oh God. And I pray for every one of us now, especially uh, Lisa, uh, Sujana, and uh, Nida, other God, Lord. Uh, especially our teacher Dean, and uh, I pray for the students under God that they may grow, and uh, and I pray for those who are not come over here this time, dear God. I pray that they will ask, uh, they will have time next time. Lord, continue to bless this ministry, and I pray and I thank you so much, God, for giving us time to do this to glorify your name. All this I pray in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen.